Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Search our thoughts, search our hearts, O oh God. May you strip away everything that has become an idol, anything that has become a greater joy and security and prize over you. Lord, strip them away that we would become more like you. We would move into uh, a moldable being so that your Holy Spirit could really form us into becoming like your son. God, this morning as we hear your word and, and prepare for this coming week, uh, inspire us, challenge us, mold us. God, make these words of mine be clear and convicted by your spirit, not by man's wisdom. And everyone at home, may their hearts be hungry for you as we know that spiritually everything else is counterfeit in this world that tries to satisfy us. But you satisfy. You are the living bread. You are the living water. And so, Lord, we turn our hearts to you. Satisfy us and remind us that you and you only are, is everything we need. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we made it through 1 John, and next week uh, will be Easter, and we'll be starting a new series after that. And if we could sum up a couple of the threads in 1 John on this Palm Sunday, there's at least two that I'd like to talk about today. And so the first is that we are called to love God and to love one another. And the greatest way we could love God is by obedience to his commands. The second thread that runs through the five chapters of 1 John as he's writing this letter to the church is that we are actually overcomers of the world. There is a world and we have overcome them. How? Through Jesus Christ, 
in Christ alone. And so these are the two things I want to talk about today. And as we jump right into it, this big idea from today's reading and from all of 1 John is that Christian life is a life of love for God. It's a life that shows that we love God through one true, authentic, genuine evidence, which is you and I desire to obey God's commands. And so verse 3 tells us, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. First John chapter 2, verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. First John chapter 3, verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 tells us, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. You see that pattern where Christian life is not just simply I receive grace and now I'm going to heaven, but it's I receive grace so that my will turns away from things of myself and the world, and now I desire to obey God. It's a joy to obey God. And this is true of the Old Testament. Just takes all of Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible, every verse has something about God's word, his commands, his law. And Psalm 119.47 says, For I find my delight in what? Your commandments, which I love. Why does he love his commandments? Why does the psalmist love God's commandments? Because a psalmist loves God. It's an expression of this love. Psalm 119.18 tells, tells us, the psalmist writes, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Wow, I just, don't we want to have that craving? Uh, we want to see the next big show, next Netflix movie, or the next uh, video that gets us stimulated. And we, we, we realize, wow, there's so many cool things in the world. But maybe we need to cut back and say, God, let my delight be in you and in your word. And so this is what John is saying love is. Love is not a mushy feeling where we sing and we feel God. And a lot of people say, oh, I felt God. <laughs> but love is this, despite my feeling, I'm committed to obeying God and his words. I'm committed to turning from sin and turning to God in his righteousness. And so second part of this verse, in verse 3, that we just read, is actually uh, enlightening. He says, for this command, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we obey God, but not out of a burden. These commands are not burdensome, John says. John is not suggesting that God's commandments are easy. I mean, have you kept the Ten Commandments uh, faithfully every day? I think I break it every day, one way or the other, whether it be through lust or loving something above God, whether it be not for pastors, we don't honor the Sabbath really well. We, we like to work through. Um, have, you, have you stolen anything? Have you used the Lord's name in vain? Have you honored your parents? And so t the Ten Commandments, they're not meant to tell us that we can achieve perfection through our obedience to the command, but it's a desire to command, obey, because we love God. It, it's, it's not easy, but it becomes a joyful response to God's love by, I want to follow the Ten Commandments because of His love for us. And so the word burden in this is baris in Greek, and it literally means heavy in weight. God's commandments are not heavy 
in weight. They're, they don't pull you down. They don't, they don't oppress you. That's what John means. They're not easy, but they don't weigh us down. Why? Because the love of God, love for God, makes these commandments a joy and a delight. When one knows God's love for him or her, when you see God's love for you, it frees us to want to love God. William Barclay tells a great story. A stranger uh, was walking, and he saw a boy carrying a smaller boy on his back on their way to school. He saw it another day, and then he approached the boys, and he said, do you carry him every day to school? And the boy carrying the little boy said, why, yes. And the man said, that's a heavy burden for you to carry every day to school. And the boy responded with a smile, oh, he's no burden. He's my brother. There's something about love that makes what the world sees a burden for those in love see it as a joy. It's a delight. It's, it's a parent's love. It's a love that we have for one another. It's a love we have for God when we realize you did not withhold your only son for me. What does that do to you? It makes me, God, I, I want to give you everything. So one more thing in on obedience to God's command. Obedience is not just about our love. It's about living well. When we obey God and his word, it actually guides us through life better. We live better and wiser. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he's an American pastor and author, and he says, the driver on the highway, for those of you who are driving cars, the driver on the highway is safe not when he or she reads the signs, but when they obey them. So it is with Scripture. So it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to read it. But think of a driver on the road, speed limit 55, you go 90. <laughs> oh, speed limit 55, I could go 90. You disobey it, you're in danger, and you endanger others. It's not enough to see it and read it. We must obey it. And why does God give us his commands? Because he loves us, not to burden us. And so that's John's big thing. For the Christian church, the way we show love to God is we live out our love for God and our neighbors by living according to God's commands. We made so much about church, about how we feel, the senses, the mood. Oh, I feel the mood. And we almost say like, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving. I feel him. Like, yeah, I think I believe what John is saying the most. The greatest way you show and feel God's love and reveal God's love to him is say, God, help me to obey your law. So this leads us to the second thread we saw in 1 John all of the five chapters, John is telling us something we need to hear today in 2021 as well. We are not just mere Christians. We are overcomers of the world. Now, that sounds very uh, rebellious and defying and like we're going to create an army. But let's see what John is saying. Verse 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God, born anew, water in the Spirit, some people say born again, 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us we are new creations. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's awesome. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is the victory? Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus 
is the Son of God. John is saying, you didn't overcome the world because you figured it out and you're stronger and smarter than everyone else. You've overcome the world because you happen to know the overcomer, Jesus Christ. Paul says something similar in Romans 8.37, one of, one of our favorite verses, my favorite verses. Oop. I just, that's interesting. So Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Overcoming has occurred in Paul's mind too. How? He's overcome famish, tribulation, persecution. How? Through Christ who loved us. Um, this is the problem with the secular mindset. Secular mindset has this message that's completely different from what the Bible tells us. The world says this. The answer to overcoming your issues is in you. You can do it. You have the power to do it. Just look in yourself, and it's like this worldly, uh, it's like a new age. Find that power and strength in you. Everyone has this. It sounds good. It sounds really good. But can I tell you, those who hold to that, think about the implications of that to younger generations. When they have this answer that, hey, it's in you, and they can't overcome a sin, they can't overcome depression. They can't overcome loneliness. What are we telling them? You're doing something wrong. It's in you. You just haven't tapped into it. It makes people feel more in despair. And so Alcoholics Anonymous has it right in their 12th step. The first step of Alcoholics Anonymous in this pathway to freedom from this bondage of this disease of addiction of, to alcohol is this. It's a power greater than ourselves could restore us, which is number two. The first is, I acknowledge I am a prisoner, and I am, I am addicted. I have a problem. And number two is, there is a power, literally a power greater than ourselves that could restore us. AA, they're not explicitly Christian, but they're pointing us to the fact that when you are so stuck there is nothing that you can do to get out of it by yourself. You need a power outside of you to rescue you. Friends, how much more with our sin? Our sin is something we cannot overcome ourselves. We confess it. We acknowledge it. And then we seek a Savior to deliver us from it. So for sinners, the good news is this, that God has sent us, and he said, how will you overcome? I have given you my son, whom I love. And this is God's message for us. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, and he's able to grab a hold of us stuck in sin, and he gives us life. He gives us the power, overcoming power, to have freedom in him. And so we are powerless in ourselves, enslaved to sin, but in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. Now, some of you uh, sports fans, what's the greatest shoe company in the world to many of these young people? Adidas, Reebok, probably Nike, right? Nike. Um, and Nike comes from the Greek word for overcome. Nike comes from the Greek word, which means victory, and it's nikao, and it means overcome. And Nike chose that word intentionally to say victory. You may know this from a very 
very, very watching commercials. Nike's like, hey, you want to be a winner? You wear our brand. <laughs> well, they did a smart marketing move because this is what Nike means. And for everyone who's been born of God, they are the true victors and triumphant. We were weak and dead in our sin, but now we have power. And that power is something that John explicitly says in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. So I was thinking he's going to say Jesus, but actually it is Jesus. But the way to get to Jesus, he says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, hyphen, our faith. So this is so different. He's not saying your faith can make you do everything, like I can do all things through my faith. But your faith, even holding on to that faith, is the means for Christ's power to work in you. So our faith, no matter what you are going through, clinging to that faith is victory. Uh, let me read an InterVarsity commentary, which I think says it better. Faith is not the means to the goal of victory. So but just because you have faith is like, okay, now I've, I've won. They're saying, nor something that enables us to gain victory. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory, and not because of what faith is in itself, but because it is directed to the Son through whom God wins the victory for us. Let me make this clearer. 2020 was probably the hardest year for many of us, especially those who lost loved ones through COVID or through early stress or suicide or cancer. We lost over 500,000 people in America alone. And so 2020 is one of those years that makes us realize, boy, when is this going to be over? And if you went through financial fears, a broken marriage, uh, families, businesses closing down, jobs being lost, food on the table, scarcity and security of food, and just all of this global disruption and political strife in Myanmar to genocide in Africa of Christians and, and Muslims, and we see a racial tension in America in 21st century still brewing amongst the blacks and Latinos and Asians and white. We're just all at an edge after a political strife. Here is how John's message to us is. In light of all of that, are you holding to your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ? If you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, but you're clinging to that after all that has happened in your family and your world to Jesus Christ, you are an overcomer. You have overcome the world. That's, Paul, that's John's message. So verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes in the Son of God? You know, something, something that this is the word that comes, that comes to mind as I say that. Isn't this what hope is? When everything is falling apart and we barely have food and the parents are stressed about how am I going to feed, buy my kids new clothes. And in those moments, to give up on faith is to truly lose hope. But what John is saying is you are more than just a, a, a survivor. You could be a thriver. You could be an overcomer when you hold on to that faith in Christ. This holding, clinging. So I think about Palm Sunday and and so Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rides into Jerusalem riding on a colt, on a donkey. 
And so people are waving palm branches. He's the noble king. He's the victor. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's come to save us. And then within that five days, Jesus would be hanging on a tree, nails in his hands and feet, thorn on his brow, whipped, skin just shredded. He's dying on a cross next to two criminals. And so what happened? It's not the same crowd, by the way, that waved Hosanna. That happens to be the exact crowd that railed, crucify him. But what happened in five days? I think three things happened if we look at the Bible. One is that the people had an expectation that Jesus would be the military conqueror king, and Jesus didn't deliver. Instead, he kept talking about, my kingdom is not of this world, and it's coming, and, and so you know, I'm going to die in three days. Son of man would be delivered. Judas didn't like that. A lot of people didn't like that. Eat his flesh, drink his blood. John chapter 6, what is that about? And so, two, the crowds were scared by the religious leaders who were very angry that Jesus was taking away their power, and they created this stirring and mob, and people were easily swayed because they didn't want to get in trouble by the religious leaders. And third, I think this, in light of today's, I think they quit on Jesus too soon. Just hear me out. If they could stay for five days, just, just seven, two more days, if they could cling to Jesus, despite their expectation, dis disappointment, if they could cling to Jesus for seven days, they would have seen more than a king coming on a donkey. They would have seen someone who conquered death and rolled out of a tomb and is alive. And why did they miss that? Eventually, a lot of them ended up seeing it, but why did they miss that? At day five, I think they bailed out too soon. In other words, they didn't have that confidence in Jesus Christ. They didn't have faith. You know, our brains are wired these days to uh, want something quickly. So sociologists, psychologists discover that we have become wired and we get angry easily when things are slow. Slow traffic, slow food service, slow program. And this is because our brains have actually advanced in our expectation of time in just the past, like, 30 years. So in his book, Social Acceleration, Harmut Rosa informs this is what happened in human technology. By the speed of communication has skyrocketed by a factor of 10 million. The speed of data transmission has soared by a factor of 10 billion compared to 100 years ago. A study found that even our walking speed has increased by 10% since 1990s. Do you remember? Some of you young people don't know this, but we used to write letters, put a stamp on it, mail it out, and if it gets there in three days, we're like, that was fast. But now, some of you send a text, you don't get a response in two seconds, you're like, are they mad at me? And so our speed has changed. And in this time, they build out on Jesus too soon because he didn't meet them where they needed. And so the message for us is have faith when the world is going in a way that disappoints you, that hurts you, or even just seems like, is this the world I want to stay in? And you become an overcomer by confidence in Jesus Christ, knowing that his time, God's timing, is perfect. This is what Jesus is telling us. Some of us, we bail out on marriage too soon. You've heard of the 70-year itch. 
Marriage is supposed to be hard. And we say, maybe this isn't working out. And we, we bail too soon. Some of us bail out on churches or, or jobs. This job is too hard. And so instead of learning and growing and developing our character and skills, we bail out. I have a confession. Within the first year I served at this church, I thought about resignation at least twice. Thanks be to God. I mean, it's been 13 years, and I just realized what I would have missed out if I bailed out too soon. What does that indicate? My confidence is in me, not in Christ. So it's faith in Christ that makes us overcomers of the world. Right now, we need to hear that. As, as we see the strife and as we see the angst in the world, it's do you have a confidence in Christ, no matter what happens, that you can be like Christ as an overcomer because he's overcome the world. And so this is why verse 11 and 12 ends with this. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has a Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The faith in the object of the person of Jesus Christ makes us overcomers. It makes us linger. It makes us hold steady when the storms are hitting us. I just want to wrap it up. I learned something new about apples. Um, I'm not a farmer, and I kill trees, and I'm not a good planter. I, thank God I'm not a farmer. Um, but I was reading, somebody was sharing that he went to his aunt's house, and he saw this bushel tree full of apples. And he said, how did you do that? And she said, well, let me tell you a secret about apples. Last year, we had a late frost, and the tree got frozen. And the late spring, the, tr- the apple couldn't bear it. The, but the trees, when that happens, the trees do something really funny. It's a miracle. Knowing that there's a freeze, the trees store up energy in these small bumps and nodules called scions, scion or scions. And all that energy, all this special nutrient just pulsates through that tree, holding steady in the midst of this frost. And the following spring, all that energy is released. And the tree just has a double bountiful harvest of fruit. And this, this Christian, he was commenting that just like that, when life is just stressed and freezing and, and the world is collapsing around us, when we could hold steady and not bail out too soon, when we trust in God, His power is working within us. God, Christ's resurrection hope is in us. And in the right time, the right place, God releases us into the world with a power and a victory that comes from him to be the church he calls us to be. I think 2020 was a frost year that God was shaping our character and we have that overcoming power by our faith in Christ. This is the hope. And so my prayer to us is as we enter this week, don't bail out too soon. Christ is faithful. He will overcome because he has overcome. Let's pray. Lord, we turn to you and we give you thanks. We give you our praise and we give you all our struggles and burdens. When things are not moving our way, we recognize and and concede and confess we are not in control. Lord, when when our hearts are aching and, and it wants to just burst and explode, we confess, Lord, you're the one who brings calm to the storm inside of us as well as outside of us. God, give us faith. This faith is a gift from you. 
give us eyes to see and cling to Christ at all costs. And I love that no matter where we've been, no matter what sins we, we, we committed, your arms are open wide and you receive the humble, contrite sinners who recognize we need a Savior and you are always faithful to us. And so as we look towards 2021 regular for the rest of the year, uh, may we be those filled with this overcoming power through faith in you. And would you unleash your church to this world? Amen.